Budapest, Hungary, February 2020. And I'm in the mood for some goulash. How's this place look? Best goulash in the city, right? There are hundreds of restaurants in this town that serve the famous Hungarian stew. But this one stands out. You see, the owner is a very dangerous man. Goulash soup with beef cheeks in a cup. That's what I'm getting. The man who runs this place calls himself Mohammed Hassan, but we don't believe that's his real name. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Oh, this looks nice. Mmm. Yeah, that is good. The commitment to um, paprika is very impressive here. It's in everything. And as I eat, in a back room upstairs, this Mohammed Hassan is making a series of stunning admissions. He just doesn't know it's all being recorded. And what he's saying could shake the foundations of the government of his homeland, Bangladesh. This is Al Jazeera Investigates. I'm Kevin Hurton. In part one, we talked about the parallel stories of the Ahmed clan, a crime family in Bangladesh, and the woman who would go on to become prime minister, Sheikh Hasina. Back in the 90s, three of the Ahmed brothers were convicted in connection to the murder of a political activist, but only one served time. The other two escaped and have been on the run ever since. Joining me for the second part of All the Prime Minister's Men is Will Thorne, an executive producer for Al Jazeera's investigative unit. He's the primary investigator on this story. And, Will, the last time we saw each other was in Budapest for an undercover operation there. And of all the places to go looking for fugitives from Bangladesh, Budapest wouldn't have struck me as one of the first places to go. You know, that's absolutely right. I mean, the whereabouts of Anis and Haris Ahmed have confounded investigators since the late 90s. Haris, for example, spent years on the Interpol Most Wanted list, and he suddenly disappeared from it, we think around early 2019. And that's about the time we got a tip-off that led us to one of the brothers on the run, in Budapest. Woo! The flags are, are really waving because there's a s- stiff north breeze. It's, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cold day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which way? So if we go that way, um, and we'll head down. Walking through the blustery streets of Budapest, Will and I are talking about the documents that kicked off this investigation. It was a leak of documents, which were emails, uh, WhatsApp messages, text messages. So a range of documents, which opened up a world which was very intriguing. Uh, world that belonged to a gentleman by the name of Mohammed Hassan, who is a um, Bangladeshi businessman who set up a restaurant business in Hungary, in Budapest. Is that what the document said? The documents gave us his the process by which he came into the city, that he got a residency visa. It gave us his company details, and through the company details, you were able to see a, a number of failed businesses that he ran over a period of years from 2015, including um, a hostel called the Bay of Bengal Hostel, which was a bit disastrous and chaotic, a restaurant called the Goulash Restaurant. Is that what it's called? It's called the Goulash Goulash Restaurant. Restaurant. (laughs) That's where we'll be tonight. It is what it says on the tin. That's become his sort of foothold in the city. He appears to be buying lots of property, 
appears to have come into a lot of money. But perhaps the most interesting thing about him is that Mohammed Hassan isn't his real name. We believe his real name is Haris Ahmed, a convicted killer and fugitive. In fact, you can still find his old mugshot in the most wanted section of the Bangladesh police website. So if this restaurant owner, this businessman, Mohammed Hassan, is really Haris Ahmed, that's a pretty big deal. We duck into a coffee shop to drill down on the evidence. Let's Should we get in this one here? Yeah. Thank you very much. Will lays out a series of papers and files. There's a lot of them. It's all very official. And it reminds me of the contents of the manila folder you keep your tax records in. These documents give us a picture of how this Mohammed Hassan, well, came to be. They showed us the, the mechanism by which he acquired his new identity here in Budapest. And they gave us clues as to who was behind it, who was helping him. It was the start of the journey. It's not easy to get a fake identity. There's a whole range of things you need to come into a European country. Bank accounts, tested signatures. It was quite sophisticated and he had, it would appear, help from a pretty high level. So here we've got um, various shots of his false passport signed and stamped by the assistant director of the Department of Immigration and Passports for the government of Bangladesh. This is Mohammed Hassan's signature. Yeah. Um, so with a new identity comes a new signature, and that's his signature. He had to also provide evidence of funds that he could support himself in Hungary. So along with Mohammed Hassan's new signature comes a bank account. Eastern Bank Limited, which is a, a bank in Bangladesh. This has been signed and stamped and made official, if you like, by bank managers within the branch. So we're sitting here and I'm thinking, this is elaborate. And if this really is a false identity, it appears a lot of high-level people were involved in creating it. But so far, nothing that really proves that Mohammed Hassan is really the international fugitive and convicted murderer, Haris Ahmed. But then, buried in the stack of documents, a breakthrough. This is what really jumped out at us. 26th of December 2014, we have two individuals signing, acting as witnesses to Mohammed Hassan's identity. They were both senior serving officers in the border guard, Bangladesh. Mohammed Hassan does not claim to be a soldier, doesn't claim to come from the military. How on earth did he have two senior serving officers standing witness, you couldn't get a better kind of gold standard signature. And it would also be the kind of thing that if you saw it on a form, you'd just greenlight this thing immediately. It opened the door to the network of people that were standing behind Mohammed Hassan. And it took us to the very top of the power structure in Bangladesh. But wait, it gets better. There's a name, CC'd among others, and an email trail included in the documents. When you spend your days looking through boring paperwork, this is the investigative equivalent of a lightning strike. And lo and behold, in the address section on the emails, we have an Aziz Ahmed. Aziz Ahmed, at that time, was the head of the border guard. Aziz Ahmed is the brother of Haris Ahmed, the man we're on the hunt for. 
And since that email was sent in 2018, Aziz Ahmed was promoted to Chief of Army Staff, the country's top military post. And as we explained in part one, Aziz was the brother that went legit. If this was the godfather, he was the Michael Corleone character. He was the brother that joined the army. Now, this email that was used to set up Mohammed Hassan's move to Budapest doesn't totally prove he's really Harris Ahmed. But it certainly would clear up a few big mysteries we're struggling with. First, how on earth did this random guy, Mohammed Hassan, manage to get two senior border guard officers to vouch for him? Well, because it appears his big brother was their boss, that's how. Take it a step further, there's a second mystery. It wasn't just army underlings vouching for Mohammed Hassan. He had bankers, foreign ministry officials, and government lawyers all lending their names and credibility to a presumably false identity. Yeah, he might have had connections in the army, but could a powerful general really secure such high-level cooperation? Well, to answer that, you have to understand just how big a deal the army is in Bangladesh. Some think it's even more powerful than the governing party, the Awami League. Bangladesh army is right now the most powerful sociopolitical force in Bangladesh. Tasneem Khalil is a Bangladeshi journalist living in exile. I would say General Aziz is one of the individuals who are more powerful than Sheikh Hasina. Army is making sure that Army League stays in power, and Army League is making sure is that Army is happy because they are the people who are making sure that Sheikh Hasina survives. The army is incredibly powerful, and these documents certainly suggest that the head of the army, General Aziz Ahmed, quite possibly the most powerful person in the country, leveraged his power to help a convicted murderer escape justice. Did the general really use his official position to protect his murderer brother? That's a hell of an allegation. But we still needed more information to prove that Mohammed Hassan was indeed Haris Ahmed. And the main person to help us with that is the source of these documents. He's decided to come out of the shadows and tell us what he knows. We're calling him Sammy. So it all started back in 2014. I received a phone call that General Aziz Ahmed is visiting Hungary. Sammy is a Bangladeshi businessman living in Hungary. I went to the train station. I greeted him and he asked me that if I can assist him to set up a business for his brother who is living in India. I said, sure. Sammy started as a confidential source, but is now determined to tell the story, at great personal risk, of how he became entangled in General Aziz's scheme. So in a month or two, he sent me all paperwork. Nothing of it raised any alarm to me. I assisted the business setup for his brother, and his brother arrived in Hungary in May 2015. I was introduced to him as Muhammad Hassan. But Aziz doesn't have a brother named Muhammad Hassan. He says General Aziz told him to greet him like an uncle and to help him get on his feet. I found him to be a lost kind of man. 
he was shaking when I met him and I asked him, are you okay? Then he said, I am very happy today. I'm a free man from today. That was his exact statement. As days passed by, I was kind of his only friend. Sammy says he started to see warning signs almost immediately. For one, this guy Mohammed Hassan seemed to show very little interest in the businesses that he had set up for him, which quickly started to fail. His interest was not business. So he would go out, drink at bars. If he would meet some woman, he would bring them to the hostel and they would party. He wanted to be associated with lots of women. And he was making regular calls back home. He's calling gangsters back in Bangladesh. He's screaming with people. He's threatening, like he's threatening people, business people back in Bangladesh and extorting money. After a time, Sammy had had enough. For him, there is no doubt that this guy is Haris Ahmed. He spent enough time with him to be sure. But would he be willing to help us prove it beyond any doubt? He decided he would keep going along with their schemes, except this time he's working with us, the investigative unit. Sami secretly recorded conversations, which we've translated from Bengali. Mohammed Hassan says he can get a cut of all trade deals made between Hungary and Bangladesh. So far, nothing has gone through without my nod. No one has taken anything out without my say-so. If they show me one order, they have taken over my head. A businessman doesn't behave in this way. He's rather a thug. He's some kind of rogue bandit, something like that. And things that really spooked me about him were his phone calls. Then I figured out that this is a dangerous man that I have been dealing with. I'll cut his ears off and feed them to the dogs. Dogs, I'll hang them from the dog's neck. And I felt that I have been fooled. I have been used by General Aziz. I was not really in uh, great shape when I realized this is a monster. As we stand here, we're watching pigeons fly out of a fountain in the central plaza. It, it, it seems like a very unlikely place to be doing a story that's about Bangladesh. It's the last place you'd expect to find a story like this, but maybe that's why it's here. That this story started thousands of miles away with a brutal murder on a street in Dhaka in 1996. And here we are, 20 years later, it's become bigger and bigger the more we look at it. Our friend Mohammed Hassan, he set up a new identity, a new world here for himself, but he still has connections with his government back home which is where we think the money's coming from and how he affords to run businesses and apartments here in an expensive central European city like Budapest. And we've seen an acceleration through looking at company documents and things, an acceleration in purchasing of properties and businesses, not just here in Budapest, but also in central Paris. 
We've pulled the records on his activity in France, and his holdings are pretty extensive. Mohamed Hassan at one point had five companies in his name there. That's in addition to three more in Hungary. In 2018, he held a 50% share in a French company that deals in computers and IT. It has two addresses in Paris, and one of them is a store selling mobile phones and offering international money transfer service. He's operating in a way which is entirely consistent with money laundering schemes that I've seen put together by other people. That's Graham Barrow, a money laundering expert who advises banks on how to prevent criminal funds from entering their financial system. He's reviewed the evidence we've gathered on Mohammed Hassan's holdings in Europe. They are reminiscent of a great many other um, structures that I've looked at working in money laundering. Now, that doesn't mean he is definitely laundering money. All I can tell you is that the structures he's created, the places he created them, the, the types of businesses, to me this is highly indicative of structures put together for criminal intent. In 2019, he buys a stake in four more companies, including one called the Bay of Bengal, which owns an Indian restaurant in the suburbs of the French capital. Hassan is connected to three properties in Paris. He owns at least one of them, which has an estimated value of nearly half a million dollars. So the, the question for us is, well, where's the money coming from? Is it coming from the state of Bangladesh? Is it perhaps in the Bangladeshi military? Later on, when we talked to Sammy, we asked him if there was contact with the military. He answered with an emphatic yes. He says that Mohammed Hassan is not only in touch with members of the military, but he acts like they work for him. Seeing Hassan, uh, sorry, Harris, the way Harris talks to military officers, it feels like he owns them. I will put you on a speaker. Listen to what he says. Just what, how many times he salutes me. This is from a phone call between Haris Ahmed and an officer from Bangladesh's intelligence service that we recorded in early 2019. You know what I was saying about anything going down in Europe or Hungary? Throw something my way. I'll give you some of the profits. I'll see to the rest. We've seen evidence of how Haris was trying to get money from Bangladesh to feed his growing European business empire. It was a 2015 letter from one of Mohammed Hassan's companies which contained a proposal to supply bunk beds from Hungary. It was addressed to the Director General of Border Guards Bangladesh. Now, at that time... The head of the BGB was Aziz Ahmed, Haris's brother. He is a bloody criminal. He is a wanted fugitive. He siphoned off money from Bangladesh to create wealth in Europe. This is disturbing. Then one night, while Sammy is working as our undercover reporter, he makes a remarkable discovery. And that's how I found myself sitting with another member of our team at the Goulash restaurant in central Budapest. I'll let me sit over there. Can I sit on that one? Goulash Hungarian Restaurant, the national dish. It's a place owned and operated by the man we suspect is a notorious gangster, Haris Ahmed, a.k.a. Mohammed Hassan. This is just one of the things we came to see is the goulash. Sammy's upstairs in the office discussing the terms of a business opportunity to purchase ammunition for the Bangladesh army. Will is outside with the surveillance team. I was inside to get secret video just in case they came in through the front door. We got a message from uh, a message that that things went well, that 
there's some interesting information that we're about to go get. And all we have to do is finish our goulash and find out what happened. Thank you. I'm in a meeting. Can I call you back uh, in two hours' time? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, we've just come out of an undercover operation where we were outside the offices of our person of principal interest, Mr. Mohammed Hassan. We've got some interesting developments, haven't we? Sammy starts to take us through the footage. The conversation is in Bengali. He sounds pretty worked up there. He does sound excited. What's that all about? He said, whoever team comes in this country to buy anything, if they don't contact us, nothing will be passed. He's saying that it doesn't matter which government is there, if we can establish one time, that we are the source of procuring the bullet contract, and we can have it for the end of our life, like till our, our next generations and everybody so keep on earning money. For to clarify this, he's interested in getting involved in purchasing ammunition yes. for the Bangladeshi military. Yes. Just so happens that ammunition is made in Hungary. Yes. So he is trying to find a way, he yeah. claims, yes. To insert himself into that business procurement process, yes, to make a lot of money out of bullets. Yeah. He said, "From Hungary, if there is anything going to army, it is it will be through me and you. We have to ensure that." Okay. He said that I that I have to go through brother. Just say that I have to, like, as and the brother is, is yes, yeah. brother is there. So. General Aziz. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he said that anything going from Hungary, people if they are taking things from Hungary to Bangladesh, and if I can get a cut in such contracts, then my name is not Haris Ahmed. You buy a dog with the name of Haris. <laughs> He's literally saying, or my name isn't Haris Ahmed, the wanted fugitive, confirming his true identity. It's incredible. From his own mouth, yeah. Well, it confirms everything that we, we've been thinking. It's a, it's a breakthrough moment, isn't it? There we have it. Well, he says he's Harris Ahmed, and th- there is only one Harris Ahmed who is the brother of General Aziz Ahmed, the head of the Bangladesh Army. Hence his interest in military contracts, ammunition, bullets. Right, and then he in- invokes his own true name in relation to the corruption that's involved, right? I will get a corrupt cut of this, these contracts, or my name isn't Harris Ahmed. It's amazing. I hope he's got a good lawyer. I'll bet he does. <laughs> So we end up doing a number of undercover operations on Haris Ahmed, each time learning a bit more about his life in Europe and the extent of his influence back home. He claims the powers that be aren't just turning a blind eye to his operation, but are actively assisting it. Even the Prime Minister has said, if Haris wants to do something there, let him do it. We will help him. So we wanted to see how he operates firsthand. We set up a business proposal 
to see how he leverages his connections to cut deals, he makes it very clear. His reach goes right to the top. That brings us to a conference room overlooking the Danube River at an upscale Budapest hotel. Hi, good morning. Hello. Hey, Hi. Bang uh, Hassan. Mohammed, pleased to meet you. Two Bangladeshi men are sitting at a table. They're on a Skype call with a British businessman. He's actually an undercover reporter working for us, and he's telling them he wants to build a hotel in Bangladesh. To do something in Bangladesh is really great idea, but there's some problems. There's political issues and a little bit corruptions, of course. That voice you just heard is a Canadian business consultant named Rahman. He does most of the talking, but the reason they're on this call is because of the man sitting next to him. He introduces himself as Mohammed Hassan, but we know better. He's Haris Ahmed. So his company will be your consultant for Bangladesh. But good things for Mr. Hassan, because he is um, very well connected with uh, the high officials, very connected with the government, especially the prime minister herself. Did you hear that last part? He said, especially the prime minister herself. We know that Mr. Hassan does know the prime minister. In fact, he used to be her bodyguard. That was back when he was a gangster, before he was a convicted murderer and on the run from the law, and back when he could use his real name. But his power doesn't come from his relationship with the prime minister. He says it comes from his brother, General Aziz Ahmed, the chief of army staff. Basically, at this moment, his elder brother is running the country, in fact, because our prime minister leave everything to army chief to run the country. This is his brother, actually. Haris Ahmed holds up a picture on his phone of his brother and himself. They're arm in arm. Okay, I see. And himself, yeah. It's very reassuring, thank you. It does sound like Mr. Hassan is very well connected. (laughs) The voice you just heard, it sounds a little bit like Will. It's actually the undercover reporter working for us. The fake business deal is meant to discover whether the brother of the army chief is involved in corruption. 100,000 euro, million dollar or euro. Haris says his cut is 20%. The fee for his services, 300 to 500,000 euros. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, have a very good weekend, sir. Thank you. Bye. The call wraps up, and Haris Ahmed, a convicted murderer, turns to his colleague. I'll translate. He says, Bangladesh? is in our pocket. It's interesting. Haris Ahmed calls himself a businessman now, but he still talks very much like a gangster. He often brags to Sammy that he can still use violence to get his way. At one stage, he said that back in Bangladesh, I used to have my goons, my muscle man, but right now my mafia is the rab. So if there's anything that needs to be done in Bangladesh using rab, all you need to do is let me know. 
So the Rapid Action Battalion, or RAB as it's known, is a notorious government paramilitary force linked to many enforced disappearances. In a secretly recorded conversation, he actually describes using the RAB to settle an old score. Here's Harry Ahmed in conversation recorded by our source, Sami. He was my neighbor. I got him offloaded from the plane and arrested. I got hold of his number and called him in Bangkok. I said, sister, f- I can have you killed. But if I kill you, then you won't feel the pain. I will make you suffer. The idea that he can just unleash Rab on his enemies is a claim that will send chills down the backs of all Bangladeshi people. So says Brad Adams of Human Rights Watch. People in Bangladesh are scared to death of Rab. The Rab is a completely out of control death squad. We'll get into that next time on Al Jazeera Investigates, All the Prime Minister's Men. Plus, we mentioned that there were two brothers on the run. We found one of them in Budapest. As for the other, well, we've tracked him down, too. Turns out all the Ahmed brothers have been spending time together, brazenly flaunting the Bangladeshi judicial system. The investigative unit contacted all those involved, including Bangladesh's prime minister, home minister, the then head of the Rapid Action Battalion, and all four Ahmed brothers, inviting them to respond to its findings. None provided a response. Mohammed Rahman's company, CM International Immigration Service, said it was concerned by the matters raised in our investigation, but said it did not disclose the names of its clients. This episode was produced by me, Kevin Hurton, and edited by Craig Pennington. Leo Safianis does the final sound mix. Hassan Romani does our social media. Joe DeFrias is the show's executive producer. And Phil Reese is Al Jazeera's director of investigative journalism. And don't forget to check out our new website, ajiunit.com. It's a one-stop shop for all things investigative unit. We have been doing investigations like these for years, and you can listen, watch, and read all about them on ajiunit.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, Al Jazeera Investigates. And while you're at it, you might as well give us a follow on Twitter to follow the fallout from this story and others. We'll see you next time.